This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Free Play Florida. It'll be Friday, November 20th through Sunday, November 22nd. Graydon Clark, classic B-movie director of almost 30 feature films, including sci-fi, horror, and pop culture, will be at the show. He's the director of Joysticks and Movie, and they'll have a screening of it Friday night with a Q&A followed after. Also, Walter Day and Billy Mitchell, the founder of Twin Galaxy's International Scoreboard, and Billy Mitchell's the star of King of Kong movie, will be there to talk to you guys live. And don't forget, Dennis Nordman and Greg Ferreris, classic pinball designers of some of the most famous machines ever made, will also be on hand taking your question. And deuce for five nights at Freddy's Freaks, Aaron Fetcher of Creative Engineering and the genius behind the showbiz pizza place, Rock of Fire Explosion, animatronic band that heavily influenced Five Nights at Freddy's, will be there with his characters. And that's just getting started, deuce. They have over 200 arcade games and pinball machines. Every classic console you can think of, a tournament for Smash Brothers and pinball games, and challenges of games of all kinds. And remember to tell them that the official podcast of Free Play Florida Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course, I got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Of course, we are the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Every episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with the Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Good times. There you go. I would dude. say for you to have one with us, but since you're calling live from inside your car, I don't recommend it, Brian. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, guys and girls out there in Patio Land, we want to introduce you an amazing guest for our show. It's Brian, the, the the founder, the creator, the star of the show of Free Play Florida, who's with us live tonight. We can't wait to talk to you, brother. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. So it'll be a great time. Yeah, man, we're very excited. We've been uh, ever since we kind of all connected. It's been really cool because for those that didn't hadn't caught up, Deuce actually did a an event. Yeah, um, Oblivion Tap Room. Oblivion Tap Room, and that's where you guys kind of met. Um, yeah, which is really cool. Um, so they people definitely need to go back and check out that episode we did because we talk you know you guys talk a little bit more about you know free play Florida yeah and all the awesome things happening and Brian we wanted to ask you tell the folks at home what awesome things they can see at free play Florida well uh free play is basically it's a it's a homegrown celebration of all things electronic gaming here in here in Central Florida uh, we pretty much cover everything from your classic arcade games to the to the newest stuff you'll find some awesome pinball machines every console game you've ever played from the 70s to today and uh, competition all, all along the way and some really awesome artwork it's it's just anything and everything that you would love about gaming well i know we're really looking forward to it but brian i wanted to ask you some questions about the special guests that are coming uh tell the folks at home some of the special guests that are actually going to be appearing live at the event that's a that's a pretty nice list. Uh, for anybody that's watched Wreck It Ralph, if you've seen that movie, you know a character in there named Stan Litback, and that is based on one of our guests, Walter Day, who is probably the the patron saint of gaming around the world, and uh, he's going to be there with uh, some other characters from movies that you might have seen, like The King of Kong or uh, any number of documentaries about gaming. Uh, that'd be uh, Billy Mitchell is going to be along with him. Uh, he is known for being the 
the gamer of the century as declared by Namco and uh, Todd Rogers is going to be attending and he's pretty much the biggest Atari world record holder there is. Um, some other really special guests are uh, Greg Freres and Dennis Nordman who are the some of the premier legends of pinball art and design. Uh, we're also going to have uh, the director of a lot of cool B movies but specifically, the movie Joysticks is uh, Graydon Clark. He's going to be in, in town. And a number of other little surprises. Well, I also love that you said the director of Joysticks is going to be there. Not only that, he's having a Q&A before the movie on Friday night, which I think will be kind of a really great way to kick off the kind of the, the whole weekend, you know, get kind of the party going. Oh, yeah. Uh, Friday night kind of became a traditional, it's almost a tradition for us to do movie night. So we've uh, we've got a really special showing of the original Tron, which I don't know very many people that have seen that in a theater in 30 years, along with Joysticks and some other indie films. It's it's pretty great. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be very excited. I saw Tron as a young kid, but I always saw it like on cable TV. So I've never seen it in a theater big screen experience. So for me personally, I'm super pumped about that. Very cool. But, uh, it some of these movies they're 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 so ingrained in in pop culture and uh, you see you see hand drawn i mean all these creative artwork pieces that are based on a movie from 30 years ago that technically was a bomb of a movie but it spawned some incredible gaming even as recently as the Xbox One well that's really really cool Brian i had a question for you out of everything going on, and I know it's hard to ask this as event coordinator, is there anything as uh, just a gamer and a fan that you're super excited about seeing that weekend? I'm dying to see us stuff the world's largest arcade game in that ballroom. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. That thing is huge. <laughs> 15 feet of madness. Wow. It broke, a, not official yet, but it broke the Guinness Book of Records for the tallest game. Wow. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I've got a feeling the line's going to be out the door for oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, Brian, I had, I had a couple questions for you. One is, how did Free Play Florida kind of come to be? What was kind of the inception or the creation or the idea that kind of brought you to this? Uh, technically, this would be, I believe, our fifth year of, of being an event. But it started off five years ago over in the Maitland Civic Center with a, a group of guys that were pinball fanatics. And we did a, 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 a nice show. It was really great. And it just kind of ballooned. And then uh, some other guys joined the team. With uh, We got Mick and Donnie and Bill and Leon. All, we all kind of joined together, and we decided, all right, let's expand our horizons and bring in the arcade experience because we love that and then our, the console experience. And it kind of ballooned into now what it is with free play over time. Well, that's awesome. Well, now, like you said yourself, it's being the fifth year. I'm excited because you're at this huge building, uh, this huge convention center. You've got so many guests coming. Uh, I'm excited to see how many people show up. My next question for you is, is what got you into gaming? Oh, boy, that's a that's a big one. Um, I think it, it all started for me in 1977 with the, uh, the Atari 2600 coming out and being able to play Space Invaders at home. E even though the graphics by today's standards are awful, as a as an eight-year-old, it was crazy to be able to sit at home in my living room and play Space Invaders. 
and I've been hooked ever since. So, <laughs> yeah, Space Invaders was a big deal because um, Space Invaders, you know, especially in the arcades, was just the happening uh, machine. Everyone was like lined up around that game when it came out. It kind of revolutionized. Uh, the industry when it came to arcades and people were just putting in quarters after quarters and obviously other games w went on to do that as well but I think the great thing about console gaming was people were like hey sure you can go and spend all your money in the arcades and whatnot but they they were like all right let you, let's try to have that ex same experience at home and obviously some ports aren't weren't as good as others but it's still kind of great that you're able to kind of have that experience at home you know just in case you can't actually get out go out and you know, go to the arcades or you got busy or family and all that stuff. So it's kind of nice. And it kind of changed. The Atari, Atari 2600s obviously maligned a little bit because of it, the future, what happened at the end of uh, its life cycle. But it did really do some really great things. And it kind of brought that casual market together to uh, people that kind of wanted to check out, what, you know, what video games were about. Because not everyone was jumping into the arcades at the time. So, uh, yeah, I remember just back growing up playing Space Invaders and Qbert and you know all these games you know they were classics they still hold up today in my personal opinion but yeah Atari 2600 I mean I my uncle owned one so I got to play it from him but yeah it kind of you know it changed the way we play video games uh, at home it was a it was kind of a big deal yeah there's there's something to be said for the type of game that you could and and you're starting to see it more and more today with games like uh, with like games like Duck Game. And, and even Smash Brothers, where you can pick up a game, play it, have some fun, and put it down, come back later. And you're, you'll have a really hard time mastering that game. Yeah. You, there's, there's no way to just come in and just finish Centipede. It, it kills you. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I, and I also think, um, you know, Ralph Bear, you know, he, he, was, he was pretty much the, the f forefront, like the, the godfather, I guess, if you will, of... Uh, you know, of video games because you know, he released in 1975 the uh, Magnavox Odyssey, which was like a huge deal because it was the first time you really got to see, you know, something at home. It obviously wasn't as technically sound or as advanced as the Atari 2600, uh, but it, you know, it was something that kind of really a lot of companies in television and, you know, Jaleco and all them, they, they kind of took those things and, and just kind of modified and, and took the things that they learned. And obviously things were analog at the time and being able to transition that in the digital world. So for me personally, like I love the history of video game consoles. Uh, it always excited me, uh, like ColecoVision, the Telstar. I mean, all those systems, I, I know all about that stuff because when I was a kid, I was like, well, 20, Atari 2600 wasn't the first home console, but what, you know, what inspired that? And so I kind of went back to the snowball effect, went all the way back in history and was kind of researching that. And of course, uh, you know, Atari's very, you know, um, uh, Nolan Bushnell and um, Al Alcorn or whatever, you know, with Pong, that was a huge deal when that happened. When Pong was able to play at home, I mean, it just took the, you know, took the consumers by storm at home. And it was one of those simple mechanics of, you know, a ball goes, it's like a tennis, virtual tennis in a way, a video game tennis, and it just took the world by storm. And I think that was one of the, one of the main reasons Atari. You know, because they made a, a standalone machine just to play Pong before they actually introduced it into its own Atari, you know. Sorry, I ramble a little bit because I love this stuff because I love the video game <laughs> history. Obviously, you could tell. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just love that stuff. And I think that's what's so great about Free Play Florida is you're kind of going to be able to relive your childhood, you know. And I think that's something for me that grew up playing these systems and knowing people that had these systems. It's really great to kind of pick that nostalgia back. And I think that's one of the things that Free Play Florida – 
is actually doing, I think, pretty well is being able to grab that, you know, 70s, 80s kids and, you know, and, and pull them back and say, hey, you remember what we used to do? Oh, definitely. I mean, we're, I think at this, at last count, we're somewhere around 60 unique console systems. So that Magnavox Odyssey, you'll be able to play one for real. Well, and I think it's fun because the convention kind of brings back the arcade feel because I'll be the first to, to tell you I was an arcade kid of the 80s. Like, we had a local mall here in Winterhaven, and Mom would go shopping, and she'd give me, like, two bucks. And she's like, go down to the arcade, have fun. I'll get you when I'm done. And you would go to the arcade, and you'd go hang out, and you would, like, watch other people play and see, like, oh, okay, well, if I do that, then I can get to the next level or wow, I've never even seen this level before. And then, you know, the fighting games really came big in the 90s with Mortal Kombat and things like that. And then it was like, oh, who had next? And, I mean, I, I'm really excited about the arcade feel of the event because it kind of brings something back from my childhood that's been gone forever, it seems like. Yeah, there, yeah there's nothing like that feel and the just the glow of all the screens and the blinking lights and sounds. It, it takes you immediately back to the to the days of when the arcade was your babysitter and you uh, spent half the afternoon checking coin slots for one more quarter. Oh, yeah, I yeah. remember those remember days. Doing that? Yeah, and, and that's what's so fun, and I think it's why, you know, your event's so good, why places like the Barton Player One have kind of blown up is people have this nostalgia that are our age of those days, and they're just gone now. So to be able to come to an event like Free Play Florida – and go and play and just kind of like really learn and I'm not even gonna lie some of the most people I'm uh, most excited about interviewing uh, since we are the official podcast free play Florida is um like Billy Mitchell oh yeah you'll you'll get some amazing stories out of Billy oh I love Billy I call Billy the bad boy of video games because he is just he's a stud like in my opinion he is like a rock star He's like a pro wrestling character come to life in the world of video games. Oh yeah, absolutely. He he carries the bad boy banner without a doubt. But but in in real life, Billy Mitchell is probably one of the most giving, kind-hearted souls that there is in the game. Just I mean, right there with Walter. Well, see, and that's he, he, the, it's the, amazing. Yeah, and that's one of the funniest things I've heard. I've heard multiple people say like. When he's on the stage or when he's in front of the camera, he's on. And he's like a character, almost like in pro wrestling. Like, oh, you know, I'm the I'm the bad boy of video games, you know. And then they say once you get him off camera and when the mics are off and you're behind the scenes, he's just a big teddy bear. Yeah, that's, that's fairly accurate, I would say. <laughs> but a lot of people, they're, a lot of people's first exposure to the competitive gaming scene from back in the day is really movies like King of Kong, where they're, I mean very specifically orchestrated to be a good guy and a bad guy in this big war and and painting these these really crazy pictures some of them are true some of them are not but it made for a good movie oh it did and i remember i i watched king of kong it was actually the first movie ever downloaded on my xbox because the 360 you could download movies and like rent movies on your xbox and it was the first one i rented and it introduced me to this world of competitive gaming because i mean yeah, I played Xbox Live, things like that, but I never thought there was like a an old school uh, video game, you know, uh, tournaments and things like that. Like I had no clue people were still doing tournaments on Donkey Kong and Centipede and Asteroids, and I was like, "Wow, this is a whole new world that's been opened up to me." Yeah, it's it's been eye opening to, to to us too, as as 
as we've been trying to build build free play and and turn it into something when I mean, we've met just incredible people like chris at the bart along the way and and brian out at replay amusement museum in, in tampa they, they've just been incredible partners with us and they have the same passion we do to just to try and bring these games back and give them give them some love again well i have a question like how, where are you getting um most of your inventory is it just like people from all across the country or do you have like set people or is this part of your friends collections like where are you getting your inventory? It's we're we were one hundred percent driven by the community of gamers. So we, I mean, people bring their games from Georgia, Alabama, wow. South, and in, in Miami area, Tampa. That's it, awesome. It, they come from everywhere. And another thing we haven't even really hit on hard. I'm a hardcore pinball addict, and I'm so excited that not only is it the classic you know, cabinet games, but you've got such a selection of pinball games. Plus, I think you told me a couple pinball companies are coming and bringing their pinball machines like The Walking Dead and WrestleMania and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We, we don't talk about WrestleMania, but... Um, <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, Stern, uh, our, our local uh, Stern distributor in Little Shop of Games is bringing the, the latest, greatest from them. That's, uh, I mean, Kiss was just released. Yeah. Uh, and Game of Thrones just came out. Oh wow! Walking, you know, Walking Dead. I mean, there's just some really great games, and we also have uh, a brand new pinball company, Highway Pinball, out of the UK. Oh nice! And he's coming with his first, very first machine that they're building for for public sale uh, called Full Throttle. Oh wow! Nice. It, it'll be the first time anybody's seeing one in our area to play. Well, that'll be amazing. Well, because you th you threw old radio guy a bone there. Why don't you talk about the WrestleMania pinball machine? Did it break on you? Yeah. <laughs> well, the gaming world is fickle, right? So right. it's all about it's uh, there. There's there's different camps, right? There, right. There's the uh, the ones that look at oh, it plays really great, and then there's others that get hooked on the theme or the music or the artwork. Right. And WrestleMania doesn't. It, it's an unusual title for as far as the theme goes let's just put it that way i guess well see that was the thing because when i was at uh and kind of the i had heard about free play florida but i wasn't super aware about it and then i went to megacon this year and that's where i learned a lot about it because you had that gaming room set up and you had the wrestlemania machine there and i must have waited an hour to play it because there was so really? many okay. oh my god yeah because there were so many wrestling fans there it, yeah. And, like, I waited forever to play it. Like, I waited longer to play WrestleMania than I did to play The Walking Dead Machine. Wow. Okay. There's a, I, I guess that, that just reinforces what I was saying. It's, like it, it's, all about, it's all about what drags you in. Is it the play? Is it the theme? Is it the music? Something will get you. Yeah, sure. and I'm all about the theme. Like, Because uh, to me, it's like a pinball machine's a pinball machine. It's what's the theme and what's the special things about it that really make it pop. And and me and Johnny are unabashed wrestling fans since we were toddlers. So like that, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Bye guys, I'm going to play that." Which, by the way, at the time we had celebrity guests in town from King of the Nerds. I was supposed to be babysitting. I'm like, "You've got my cell phone number. I'm in here. Call me if I don't know somebody gets sick." <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't feel guilty at all because I, I I needed a break and I think they needed a break and I was like, "I'm going to play this uh, WrestleMania pinball machine, The Walking Dead. Uh, have a party." And then, actually, one of the guys that was with us is a competitive gamer, uh, our, our good buddy Ham uh, Hamilton. 
and uh, he was in there playing a lot of games, and it's so neat to see people that, like, he plays mostly Smash Brothers and a lot of these competitive games like that, but to see him get on an actual arcade cabinet and the skill and the level he brings, and that's what's fun about events like yours. You can see these people that really love these games and are really good at them, and, you know, you can learn so much, and I love sitting under the learning tree. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And, and actually, you, you brought up a good point about Smash Brothers. I, we did, as much as we talk about the old stuff, we, we also have a, a, a pretty insane Smash Brothers tournament going on. Yeah, that, that was hosted by uh, Gamers on the Edge, which is a great charity out out of the Central Florida area. Awesome. Now, I, I got a question because isn't there more than just that tournament? Aren't there going to be multiple tournaments throughout the weekend? There will be tournaments and challenges on every every platform: pinball, arcade. You name it. Well, we that... have a we have a national one of the we're part of the uh, the Papa Circuit, which is a national pinball circuit. Think of like professional bowling, but for pinball. Oh wow! And so it's it's a big deal. We'll have uh, some of the best players in the world coming down to play some pinball with us. Well, that'll be awesome because, like I said, anytime I can watch somebody with that kind of level of skill and just kind of learn is an awesome experience. And and as a as a, a fan there's nothing better and especially because you have got to have one of the best price cons i've seen in a while your price is so low uh it's phenomenal you can't beat 20 bucks and then uh we we do 25 on saturday but uh we're also running a deal if you if you bring your ticket from another show that day we'll take five bucks off oh nice well I, i know we're really really looking forward to it is there anything at the event as a fan you're really looking forward to? Uh, I, I like catching up with some of my heroes of the game. So it's it's I'm really looking forward to meeting to to meeting Greg Ferraris. It was, it was uh, I'm, I'm really into the artwork side of it myself. So that's what trips my nostalgia trigger. And Greg is responsible for a lot of of the prettiest games that have ever been made. And see, that's the the fun thing, and I'm hoping you have it at your event. I'm actually looking for some artwork for my house. And the two things I want is I want some video game artwork, but what I'd really love is, you know, the back of the pinball machines where they put up your score, and usually that's where you see the big picture of whatever the theme of the game is. I would love to get a couple of those that look nice framed to put in my living room. And I've got a feeling in your dealer's room you're going to have some people like that there. Oh, definitely. Um, and we'll actually be giving away a lot of brand new Stern translates. But uh, yeah, on, on the artwork side, that uh, that's a pretty crazy setup in itself. We've got some amazing local artists that, that have a big flair for gaming. Uh, like this year's shirt artwork was done by uh, Loka Duck, who's a local artist, and got some really cool perler work from uh, Silly Rabbit Crafts. They're, they've got a shop out in uh, Artigan. And it's pretty darn cool. And then you got the sticker dork coming in and the crafty dork. And they do some some really neat knitted characters and stickers. It, it's a it's a very wide variety of things. So let, let's, for the folks at home that are just, just checking out this episode, it's Free Play Florida is three days. Now, there's events going on all three days. <laughs> and uh, just kind of give everyone, if you can give everyone just kind of like the basic summary of what's happening those three days. All right. Uh, basically Friday is our, is our movie night. Saturday is the big panel days. So if you want to come in and, and meet everybody, that's the day to do it. 
Sunday, we, we concentrate a lot more on some more detailed panels. So things like how to play pinball, how to beat a video game. Uh, and then interspersed through it all, we have a lot of challenges that are really meant for anybody to, to come up and take a shot at it and have some fun. Uh, a good example is a uh, uh, one-man Pac-Man to try and beat Billy Mitchell. You got one man to do it. See if you can beat his score. Wow, that's, that that sounds like fun. I mean, especially since like you know he's like gonna be one of the guests there, so it's like no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a lot of fun, and and there's lots of prizes to be had, and we we just basically just throw a big party for gaming. Yeah, and there's gonna be like uh, Twitch streaming and stuff going on that day as well, so people can kind of check it out online as well if they're not able to make it. Periscoping. Yes, we, we, and stuff. I believe we'll have four total Twitch streams going on during nice. the whole event. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna uh, take a small break, um, and then when we get back, we're gonna talk more about Free Play Florida and uh, more about Brian. So stay tuned. This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Video Games Monthly. You may have heard us talk about this one, but you have to check out Video Games Monthly. They're a monthly subscription service that delivers retro video games right to your door, and you never have to send them back. VGM is a must for gamers who love retro video games and are trying to build or rebuild their collection. Every month they send out a variety of games, both well-known retro favorites to the unique ones, to make sure you consistently get a well-rounded gaming experience. Video Games Monthly offers boxes of 3, 4, or even 10 games for any combination of NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, Sega Genesis, and both Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Take a look at their website at www.videogamesmonthly.com to sign up for your monthly variety of retro video games. And remember to tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. And we're back with the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. I'm Johnny. And I'm Deuce. And, of course, we have our amazing friend, Brian Jones, from Free Play Florida. We're very stoked about Free Play Florida. It's going to be happening um, November 20th, and it's awesome. It's a three-day event. Come check it out. All ages. It's going to be hitting all types of over 200 different pinball and arcade machines. It's going to be amazing. All the classic consoles. We're super stoked about that. We're also the official podcast of Free Play Florida. So come check out your boys, the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And Brian, I wanted uh it's funny cuz we talked about nostalgia earlier about how, you know, it's hitting that nostalgia fan base for us kids that grew up in the 70s and 80s. But like I wonder like are you seeing some sort of like uh generation shift happening there with like uh younger gamers? Are they are they curious about this as well? It, it's it's really crazy to see what's happening. It most of the competitive believe it or not the 30 and 35 year old games that have a competitive scene are dominated by 20 somethings. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Free time. It's, it, They're not married. Yeah. They don't have kids. They got free time. Sure. Well, uh, <laughs> in some cases, you're right. <laughs> but like, uh, the, uh, I, I don't think he is anymore, but very recently the world record holder for Donkey Kong is, is actually a, a, a young surgeon, Hank Chain. Wow. Yeah, I read an interesting article about that guy. That guy is really, really interesting cat. 
it's uh, it's been definitely a resurgence as far as competitive play in the in the older games and and thanks to movies like like pixels it, it was it was really amazing the last couple of live events that we've done to see eight-year-old kids they know precisely what pac-man is and how to play it and, and if they see it you know et atari cartridges they know what it is from from all the the pop culture references and all these modern movies it's it's really caused a just an explosion in interest well i also think too it's good parenting because like my son He's uh, you know, he's only five years old, and he knows who Mario is. He knows who Kirby is. Like he knows all like very Nintendo oriented, but he knows what Pac Man is, and he knows what Donkey Kong is, and so like I just introduced him at a young age, and he loves it. And I think you know, having be able to expose your kids at such a young age, and especially with technology, a lot of stuff's digital, so you can get a lot of these games on your Wii U or you know, uh, different consoles, and you can play them, and it's. It brings you back, and it's cool to kind of introduce new, ki- you know, ki- new new generations of audiences that have not really played these or weren't even weren't even a blink in their mother's eye, you know, back when these games were out. So uh, that stuff excites me, and I kind of want to ask you because you touched base on you growing up and you playing games and whatnot. Do are do you still play like do you are you kind of stuck to like the nostalgic games like classic games or do you actually p- still play like modern uh, consoles? I play a little bit of everything. Uh, I got to admit the the reflexes aren't quite as what they once were for for modern games. So if I try uh, Halo and and the like, I, I pretty much am slaughtered before I even get spawned. But I still try. Well, my thing is, I I picked up on something a while back because my wife she's a huge fan of platformers, platforming video games like Mario and and whatnot. And so she she grew up during a generation uh, like us that was this directional pad. You had no analog sticks. But she dropped off during the PlayStation era, so she didn't get exposed to the analog sticks until, like, maybe a few years before. We've been together for 12 years, but before we even got together, like, she kind of got back into it. But she's not very seasoned and doesn't have that muscle memory when it comes to dual analog sticks. And that's something I've noticed a lot with with folks that pretty much only play 70s and 80s games, they've never really progressed with the technology when it comes to controllers, and they have they have a hard time playing the newer games because of the dual analog sticks. Like Super Mario Galaxy, for example, is very hard to play for some people that have never, you know, grew up with those times and that progression. And, uh, you know, something Twitch-based like, uh, you know, Call of Duty, you know, you really have to be, like, on your, you know, uh, full alert when you play those games to get really good. Um but it's for me. It's like dual analog sticks is a huge thing. Either either you grew up with them or you didn't. And if you grew up with them, then obviously you're fine. But if you didn't, you have to really spend a lot of extra time and energy to develop that muscle memory to be able to actually use dual analog sticks. Without a doubt, I mean, every style of gaming, every style of control, there it's all unique. Yeah, and I remember like was it 1996 when uh, Mario 64 came out. That was the very first time we really got to see a you know fully realized 3D world uh, on a console, and it, it was mind blowing and groundbreaking. And of course, you had that analog stick there, and how precise you would move something. It would just like Mario would like step and crawl and like you know very revolutionary at the time. And just to see where we're at now, because obviously you can consider an analog stick uh, pretty much a modified joystick in a way. It's, it's something that's modified for home use. 
But joysticks, for example, because Deuce and I actually had a conversation about this in another episode about Street Fighter, oh, how yeah. influential Street Fighter was for the gaming industry, especially Street Fighter 2. That took the world by storm back in 1991. Like, just people were just losing their minds going to the arcades. And Blockbuster, at the time when the Blockbuster was huge, they were hosting, like, uh, these Blockbuster World Challenges, like, in their stores, and you could compete and go on to the other, you know, state championships and then... Like world championships is awesome, and like so, like I think Street Fighter had a huge reason why arcades really, because arcades kind of dipped a little bit in like the late '80s, and so like I think it was back in the '90s, Street Fighter really kind of brought, you know, that the the gravitas, like the true meaning of why you'd want to go to the arcades, and I think people were just putting their quarters in and losing them, you know, and just having a great time and not caring. Uh, but yeah, Street Fighter 2 I think is a huge. If you go back and look at the timeline, is a very influential when it comes to arcades. Oh, definitely. There, yeah, there was there was definitely the the great crash of video games towards the late '80s and then early '90s, and yeah, and that's when the the fighting game scene hit, and it just started all over again, and it's been running ever since. Yeah, I, I want to cue that Mortal Kombat music in the background. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I really think it did, because you had, like, early 90s, it was Street Fighter 2, and then that kind of brought about Mortal Kombat. And to me, that was, like, the last death grip of the arcades, because it was, like, the fighters, and then by, I'd say, late 90s, early 2000s, when you just started to see the arcades die. You yeah. Know? And I also think like something like Dave and Buster's, like I think they've done a good job of kind of like honing in some of that um, feeling as well, uh, because like there's still obviously you touched on this earlier about people still making cabinets and making you know because the reason why you don't see as many out now is it's expensive to make a cabinet and also to maintain it. Like I have a, fr- a friend of ours, Reed, he actually go that's his job like he goes in and repairs you know different cabinets and what stuff and whatnot you can give the boy a free plug yeah kevin reed uh his is uh he he actually uh is a friend of mine but he actually can restore pinballs from the ground up and fix them and do all that stuff but it's all throughout the years trial and error and whatnot but like even he tells me sometimes there's parts for these things that he has to like import and takes months or they're back ordered like so it's not there's a lot of cost involved when it comes to a restoring or fixing or you know, when it comes to pinballs uh, and arcades. So that that's why you don't see them in every corner anymore because there's a lot of expense. It's it's definitely a labor of love. I mean, people people literally sometimes have to manufacture a single part because there just aren't any out there. And that's the funny thing. It's uh, And I, I'll, I'll let this guy remain nameless, but one of my favorite video game bars, he has like one pinball machine in there and he hates it. Because he's like, look, I, I, I want it here because pinball is such a big part of the arcade world. But he's like, this thing is the biggest pain in my ass. He's like, every two weeks, I've got to have the guy come in and repair it or work on it. Or, you know, it'll work for two weeks and it's down for two weeks and it's back up. And he's like, this thing, ooh, excuse me, uh, this thing is a <laughs> giant pain in my ass. Because he's like, it's like every time I turn around. I've got to replace something on it. And he's like, I have way less problems with my cabinets, but he's like, I don't feel like I can call my bar a video game bar if I don't have a pinball machine. Well, they go they go hand in hand, right? I mean, pin, pinball was around for 30 years before video games appeared on the scene. So they're 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 one in the same as far as the experience goes. And and realistically, there's you can you can emulate just about every video game out there 
in in all honesty. You can play it on your your Xbox, but pinball doesn't translate well because it's a tactile, physical game. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I feel like uh, with pinball, it's I'm it's not like very dying art. Yeah, I'm not very good at pinball, uh, but I never. But to be honest, I never put a lot of time into it. Um, but like for for me, pinball has always been like you said, very tactile. It's very time get your timing right, and the way you actually how hard you hit the the flippers to be able to get them to bounce up can determine like where you bring the ball and like it's, there's a lot of like like uh, geometry and like just uh, physics involved when it comes to uh, pinball that you wouldn't necessarily get with a like a regular arcade cabinet. Definitely, and, and a lot of people don't realize just how how much of a skill playing pinball can really be because the the best players can i mean like babe ruth they can literally pick their shots and and set sequences of shots together to get the the jackpots and wizard modes and it's uh, it's really a sight to see sometimes what what some of the some of the best players can pull off well it's almost like seeing a magician pull off a magic trick like when you can see him do it in person live like that it's it's like watching magic happen live yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy there. Yeah, I agree. Some of some of the some of the things I've seen people do, and and I I go home and on my machines, and I I try and I try and maybe get lucky and pat myself on the back once or twice, but other than that, I'm I'm just in awe of what some of the really skilled players can do. Well, I want to ask you that because you just brought up an interesting question, Brian. What machines do you have at your house? Uh, I think right now I have 20 or so. Jeez Louise, wow. your power bill must be through the roof. It's like Christmas every day at your house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only actually have, I think, six actually set up in the house at any one time. And uh, oh, okay. I'm just as goofy as all the other collectors in the state. We got, we, they're everywhere. They're like potato chips. You can't just have one. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, do you have a personal favorite at your house, or do you got a couple machines that you really love, or some that are like always in rotation? You're like, this is a machine that's never leaving the living room or your game room or wherever you keep your games. There, there's a few. Uh, right, right now, I'm really hooked on my Star Trek pinball. Which one? It, uh, it's it's based on the last the the first of the new Star Trek movies. Oh, so it's the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yep, exactly. Wow. And it, it's got a lot of custom voiceover from, jeez, uh, now his name is escaping me. He played Bones. Oh, oh, oh Urban, I have yeah. to turn in Carl my card right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, lots of custom voice call-outs and the music, and and it's just a, the animations and the and the lighting. It, it's a beautiful pinball machine. Yeah, what? Well, uh, oh, I think. My, uh, sorry. No, no, I was going to say real quick, I think that's what draws people to pinballs is, is the pinball machines is the fact that you have like that euphoric, like uh, visceral response. It's, you... a, it's a, an experience, really, yeah. because you've got the voiceovers and you've got the cinematics. There's a reward system yeah. there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's rewarding you. Like you, you go in and you do something and all of a sudden a voice appears or you see a little animation where, you know, thing, you know, the top where the uh, score is and it, like I I'm a big huge fan of the Twilight Zone. Like it's my favorite show of all time, the original series. And, I, and there's a several uh, Twilight Zone uh, pinball machines out there. And I just love when I'm playing, I hear Rod Serling's voice come over. It's like it just hits me and it's like this awesome like automated response that you get that 
yeah, pinballs is a special pinball. Pinballs, pinball machines are just so special because like you know it's very visceral, very like gets you like in in like I don't know. It very, I don't know. It's 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 hard to explain because it, unless you've actually been in front of one, because you said earlier there's a lot of like emulations out there, like a pinball on your phone or on the Xbox. But until you've actually stood behind one and started playing with one, like it's it's hard to kind of explain to someone why you know why how amazing they are. You know. Yeah. Yep. Everybody's got uh, like the the pinball arcade is one of the most popular apps on the uh, on the iPad these days out of the app store i think it's been in, in the top selling apps for a very long time but a lot of people that have that app have never even played the the real physical table that you find on that app and it's actually funny with that app i don't know if it's the exact same app or if it's the one on the xbox but they've got like a bunch of marvel pinball machines they even added an archer one and i'm a huge archer fan so I really enjoyed that, but I, I think my favorite pinball machine of all time has got to be Star Trek The Next Generation. I played yeah. so many games of that, and it's just, it's like you said about your Star Trek pinball machine. You hear the characters talk, you see the animations, you're, hell, the you don't pull back the uh, the pulley like you normally do. It's a Star Trek phaser, and you've got to, you know, pull the trigger for it to shoot the ball off, and it's just a visceral experience, and it's so amazing and it's i almost love well actually i'll be the first one to say i love pinball machines almost regular than regular arcade machines because you get that kind of visceral experience when you play it oh definitely but yeah the 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 arcades also they they carry just such a huge nostalgia factor Uh, like for me one of my one of my favorite personal arcade machines i have is uh space ace which was uh the second game put out by don bluth Right. Uh, right after Dragon's Lair. And most people remember Dragon's Lair because it was the first, it was a Laserdisc-based game. So now you're you're actually playing the cartoon. And it, that was something really new at the time. Well, and I remember they also had one, and hopefully you can help me with this. You looked down, it was like a ball, and it was kind of a, a VR experience where you had like a little cowboy or you had a little whatever and you, it was kind of like a full motion video thing, and you'd have to hit certain buttons in a certain sequence to make sure he did the right thing. Yep, that was a uh, Sega's Time Traveler. Yes, and I love that game, and I, I love full motion video games. I'm a, I'm a big fan of them. Same thing with the the Dragon Age and, and the uh, Space Ace game. Um, they were so good, and they were so interesting because at the time you were used to video games where it was like, okay, you do this, you do that you know, whatever, but these were like full cutscene games, basically. Yep. You, you had to react to a, a cue in the video to tell you what, what the next, next move was. Exactly. So it was a memorization game. So if you remember, if you remember all the moves, you could finish the game every single time. It was almost like the video game version of Simon. Like if you could remember all the little button pushes, you'd be fine and you could get all the way through. Exactly. If you really boil it down. <laughs> yeah, and, and very it, true. And it was so funny because I remember like uh, one of my favorite experiences of like the original internet. I'm talking back up dial-up days. Is we would go, and it was when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, and we go on these websites and then print out the move list and the fatalities, and you would take a I'm talking like a stack, like a Bible-sized stack of papers with you to the arcade with a huge banana clip on it and you'd be flipping through it so when it was time you knew what the fatalities were and you could do all the moves 
Oh yeah, I, I remember in those days trying to figure out what all the uh, which one was it that came out with the Bay Balladies. Mortal Kombat Two, uh, yeah, where you could turn your opponent into a baby because they had <laughs> Mortal Kombat Two was nuts. Like Mortal Kombat Two was awesome, but then Mortal Kombat Two they took it to the next level because you had fatalities, you had babalities, you had the friendships, you had the toasty, and all that other cool stuff that <laughs> happened. Like, there was so much going on in that game. Midway really knocked it out of the park on that one. Oh, definitely. I, 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 some of those franchises, they, I mean, they're continuing on today. Mortal, Mortal Kombat and, and Street Fighter and Killer Instinct, they're, they're as big as they've ever been. Yeah, and that's the great thing. It's like bringing back these classic franchises for the people today because I remember the first time I played Killer Instinct in arcade, I'm like, this is awesome. These are like 3D rendered characters. These are, you know, kind of like the first time I played Tekken. And what I love about your uh, convention, Free Play Florida, is you kind of get to re-experience that and you get that nostalgia factor. And I, I, I can't explain to people how much that nostalgia factor means when you go back and you play a machine like that and you get the memories flooding back and the smells and the sights and the sounds of the first time you played a machine like that. Like, it, you can't put a dollar price tag on that. Nope. It's, it just takes you immediately back to the roots of gaming, where it, where it all started, where arcades were everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't go to a bowling alley or a... Or a 7-Eleven, you couldn't go anywhere without running into an arcade game back then. and It was a very different time. It was, and, and I'm glad to see, and I thank you, Brian, personally, for bringing this back. Because, you know, as as fans of video games, like, th that's our childhood, that's our memories. And, and people like you, people like Twin Galaxies, uh, you know, up, up Bart, Player One, places like that, are really kind of trying their best to like salvage as much as they can of our childhood and make it to where you can still relive it today and you can relive it with your kids, you can relive it with your friends and your peers. And that's why I've been telling everybody that, that'll listen. I mean, you got to come to Free Play Florida. It's kid-friendly. It's family-friendly. Bring the whole family. Bring your, bring your buddies. Bring your friends. I mean, you got to come so you can experience these things one more time the way you did when you were kids. Yep, this I mean we we've, we've got a little bit of something for everybody, and and uh, it, it takes an army to do this stuff. So we we we're we're so appreciative of of literally hundreds of people around the, the southern states that that help us do this thing, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. Well, it's a couple little privates in uh the Brian Army, if you will, the Free Play Army. Me and Johnny here are so happy here at Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Number one, to be the official Free Play Florida podcast, but also to help you make this event happen and come to life. Like I've always told you, brother, anything we can do to help you, you let us know. Uh, and we're so, number one, thank you for the opportunity. And two, just so excited because you're, you're saving something that needs to be saved. You know, these are things that need to be kept around. These consoles, these uh, cabinets, these pinball machines for so we can show our kids so we can show the 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 next generation that hey this is how we used to do it it, it didn't used to be a you know an xbox one and a ps4 it didn't used to be all these fancy flashy you know games with two joysticks it used to be you know a ball and a button or it used to be one joystick and one button and that's all you had and and yep. we still had a lot of fun with it yep the the classic gameplay holds up it really, really does. 
Well, I think that's another point you you brought up earlier. I think the reason these classic games are coming so much back into style, besides pop culture, it's so much easier for somebody to get into. Like, it's a lot easier for somebody to pick up a classic game and play it than it is for, say, like a Halo or a Call of Duty. Like, you can pick up a Donkey Kong or a Pac-Man or an Asteroids and, and play it and have a great time with it and really, you know, not have to be as tech savvy or as video game savvy as some of these new games make you be. That is true. That is true to a certain extent. I, I, I just love every game of all era. It's every single one has something, something great to remember about it. Even the, but, even the virtual boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, when it, when it first came out, everybody was in awe of the, of the virtual boy, but it didn't last long. <laughs> I remember the tennis. I remember at Sears, they actually had a display up in the second floor where the kids' clothes was. They had a display model. I, I never forget it. Like it, was, like it was yesterday. And I went in and I put on the set. And I remember just seeing it was all red. And it was the, like the tennis or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, man, yep. this is so cool. And then my dad goes, how much is this? And the guy told him. And my dad goes, no, this isn't cool. Because <laughs> games are expensive. <laughs> But the thing is, games are actually cheaper now than they were back in the day. This is they're actually cheaper. But games are so expensive too. Like you had to pick and choose almost. Like this is what I'm going to buy. I have money for this. I can't buy this. Especially when it came to console gaming, you had a lot of choices. Especially back in the late '90s, you had Panasonic and you had Jaguar and you had, you know, Dreamcast and you, you know, every everyone was getting in, you know, getting their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, and they were wanting to kind of cash in on that you know, the gamer, because I think in the 90s, late 90s, it kind of had a resurgence with all these companies and all these different availabilities. And obviously the main companies, you know, fought through fought through the war, so to speak, you know, Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft and, you know, yeah. all, all those companies. And now you look at like PC gaming is really big. You you look at uh, was it Valve, what they're doing with the Steam and Steam Box and they're wanting to make their own. You know, make their own uh, you know, system and whatnot, and so like you look at PC gaming is kind of trying to become more mainstream, if you will. Because uh, yeah. I felt growing up, I felt like PC gamers, it was like a war. It's almost like Coke or Pepsi. Are you a PC gamer? Or are you a console gamer? That's the way it always felt growing <laughs> up. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> but if you if you think about it, I mean, PC gaming all along, it it all started with PC gaming, really. Yeah. You you go all the way back to the the text adventures like zork if you remember any of those yeah i you sure didn't do. even have graphics nope i remember all that and and i remember well i read this interesting story back in the day where it was like it, Mac, macintosh was doing everything and it was like they were leading the king and then all of a sudden once like windows 95 came out and people were were playing the first person shooters like quake and doom and and uh, duke nukem like uh, Mac the Macintosh wasn't relevant anymore for a long time, and so like yep. it was like Windows was taking over, and like once Windows took over, it, took over. it was just all over the world within you know several months, and so like it kind of changed the face of PC gaming forever. And Windows ninety five for a lot of families was nineteen ninety five was like the first time families could really afford a, com a personal computer because up until that point thousand dollars for a computer was a lot of money back in the 90s so like when you're oh, able yeah. to, you know go back and buy you know buy a, your first computer at affordable price and there's games there and, and whatnot like that kind of opened up a whole new world for people 
Yep. And, and that was that time frame was I, I, probably the beginning of, of what people call indie gaming today. I agree. Remember, I mean, games like Doom and, and Wolfenstein 3D and Quake, they, they all started out as garage projects that were shareware. Yep, even Doom, like, you could, Doom was free. Like, the first three, like, levels or maps or whatever was free. Like, they told you, hey, share this with your friends. Go do this, you know. And I, I feel like it, it was really cool because, like, CD-ROMs, it, it wasn't just, like, this this fad. You know, obviously it's dying off now. But, like, back in the day, CD-ROM was a big deal. And it was for a long time. And I remember, because CD-ROM, you could hold so much information, like, three times as much as a, as a floppy. Kids nowadays have no idea what a floppy disk is or what an A drive is, right? So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the jump from a floppy and and uh, very limited games to you get your first CDs and you're playing Wing Commander and you're playing uh, the Seventh Guest. Yeah. And, oh yeah. I played... And Mist and all of a sudden full motion videos in game in the play and it it changed gaming forever when all that happened. Yeah, it sure did, and like I just, it's it's amazing because everyone has their own story, their own tale of like who they were, you know, what their first system was, how they got into gaming, and you know, I think I I have to go back to Nintendo because Deuce has a similar story, you know, getting back at me back in 1987 when I got, you know, I had I had played my uncle's Atari obviously, but it wasn't until I had my very first own console that I got at my own house, and that was the the Nintendo. And how revolutionary that system was, and and how easy it was to make games for it, and how third parties were there, and uh, like a, a lot of licensed games, like ET, uh, you know, you had better ports of those games, and like so it was like for me, it's like Batman and Beetlejuice, like all these games and movies that like they were, people were making them for the Nintendo, and Nintendo was a huge deal uh, back in the day, and it sold really well even in America because you think about it, Nintendo was just a toy company essentially before all this, like they they were only. They weren't over here. They were just kind of doing their own thing in Japan and whatnot. And then all of a sudden they brought it over, and they weren't sure how Americans were going to take take to this, you know, uh, Western market and whatnot or Eastern market. And so it's like it, it kind of that really revolutionized, you know, the way people play games as well. So like, there's a lot of different companies out there, a lot of different. Like you, I always love looking at the, like the uh, the timeline of video games, you know, like. From the from the the huge rush of Space Invaders back in '78, and then going in and looking at you know, 1984, '85 with the Nintendo and you know the end of Atari's run, and and just seeing all the different companies kind of coming in. Because think about it, Mattel was they a lot of a, toy companies were coming in and like, hey, Mattel's like, hey, we're gonna make you know make our own systems and you know and, yep, uh, and, in television. Yep, in television, and like it was really interesting to kind of see other companies trying to not cash grab, but like just trying to you know take a piece of the pie so to speak and it's just fascinating because people are like oh wait a minute uh, nintendo is making a bunch of money and we want to kind of get in on that and it was it's funny <laughs> to see coleco and you know the telstar right and, and television and like all these different companies coming in and trying to make their own you know systems and whatnot and obviously a lot of them not making it through a year right so it's like you had it was a lot of trial and error for companies and some companies, some companies like nintendo had the luxury had the reserves in their banks or like they were able to try out these things and if it failed they weren't folded they could just try it again and some companies like you know coleco and mattel like mattel obviously still uh, a toy company but they pretty much disowned that that the video games division but like you look at these different yep. systems and whatnot, and then look what the tragedy of Sega. What happened to Sega? Sega was top dog for a long time. People don't realize the Sega Genesis was out two years before the Super Nintendo. 
They were the it was o- huge. They were the huge. only dog in the fight for two whole years. I, and me growing up looking at it, I didn't realize it was a two-year gap between the Sega and the Super Nintendo. I had no idea. It blew my mind when I was doing research on that. And they were the top dog forever. Yeah. But Nin- Nintendo has done what they've always done. They've they've stuck to their it's got to play right, it's got to feel right, and and they've won because of it over time. Yeah, and I also think they're not afraid to innovate too. You know, you look at the success of the Wii, the original Wii, like how they were able to hit that hardcore and casual demographic and how, you know, my, my parents were playing video games for the first time in over a decade. Like they were picking up and playing Wii tennis with me, Wii golf and like you know, the Wii Sports was a huge deal, and they and then the Wii sold crazy numbers, and it hit a bunch of different people, and a lot of people were like hitting a nostalgia factor, and some people were just wanting to experiment. Some people, the Wii came across as an awesome tech demo, you know, with motion control. So you're hitting all kinds of people, and it was you know very fascinating to see that Nintendo still innovating today, even though I you know they've kind of faltered with the Wii U. A lot of that has to do with the uh, PR department, in my personal opinion. Uh, I still yes. think they, I still think they make phenomenal, you know, first-party title games are still second to none. Their Nintendo quality assurance is unbelievable even today. Uh, but it's just fascinating to see you know where companies were. Cause think about it, like you had a, a freaking like it was a Panasonic 3DO was like 700 bucks. Like it was insane. Like no one's gonna drop money back in the day on that, but some people did. You know, and the Jack I was Wire. one of those idiots, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I saved up and saved up and saved up because I wanted to play Gex. Oh gosh, yep. So, yeah, I spent everything I could on that, and then uh, the next shiny thing that came along was the uh, that I sold it for was uh, an Atari Jaguar. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. I fell down the rabbit hole twice. Hey, it happens, you know. But I, I also think it's an awesome experience that you can kind of like. Uh, that for me, I feel like video games in general. Like you know, Deuce and I have been playing games forever. And we're not stopping anytime soon. And that's something that, you know, I, I hate the fact that we're, you know, especially when we get older, like society tells you you have to do certain things a certain way. Like if you're 30 years old, you have to be like, all right, time to put down the game controller. It's time to put down your comic books. You need to start a family. You need to have kids. I mean, I have kids and I'm married, but I'm still able to do these things. But I feel like society kind of tells you, all right, you need to be an adult and that video games. Yeah, I'm bucking you know that I mean? trend pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I think I lost on that one. <laughs> I'm not letting go on my games anytime soon. Yeah, so I think that's what's so great, so and great. with especially with the new, the current generation. There's a lot of people like Forbes and a lot of different companies seeing in money and everything. They were saying console gaming is going to die, and it's, it's not going to be successful anymore. And then you look at like how well the PS4 and Xbox One are doing. They're setting on pace to outbeat the PS2, which is the highest... Uh, se- the best-selling console of all time. Oh, yeah. So they've uh, been saying that for thirty years, though. Yeah. So uh, you know, <laughs> but it's what great pointer to see. is it? You know, like Apple was going to die for thirty years too. Here yeah. they are. It's fascinating because just to see where companies innovate. Because like we can go off on this forever, but like my main thing is like I look at you talk about Apple and how innovative they were. They were super innovative because. They they weren't the think about it. I like to go back in my gaming history here. They weren't the first people to actually do uh, mobile gaming. Uh, Nokia had their Engage, if you remember that system, and people yep. people were like, "Nope, this sucks. This is gonna fail. 
no one's going to play games on on a phone. Like that's that's unheard of. That's preposterous. No one's going to do it. And think about it. Five to eight years prior to that, everyone over in Japan in the Europe market was already doing that, and they they were like, we were kind of America was kind of late to the party, so to speak. And all of a sudden, the insurgence of the the iPhone just destroy. I mean, just it went everywhere, and people were just like blown away by what you could do with a mobile phone. And that's I mean, that's another topic for another day. But the mobile industry has really helped bridge the gap between uh, you know the hardcore gamers like us. And the more casual gamer, because like, see how many game, how many copies Angry Birds sold is insane. <laughs> exactly, and and a lot of the a lot of the games that sell the most online are based on very simplistic gameplay. So Brian, Free Play Florida, we're very excited, Deuce. It's November twentieth to the twenty second. We're excited. It is awesome. It's in Orlando, Florida, and FreePlayFlorida.com is the website. And Brian, what else can you tell the folks at home? Uh, well, it's uh, conveniently on International Drive at the, the Doubletree by SeaWorld, so we're, we're just a stone's throw away. God, I said that. Uh, from uh, the entrance to SeaWorld, there's uh, ample parking, and you'll it's just a great experience. You'll get to, to see the heroes of gaming, the, the creators of the games, some incredible pop culture competitions. You you name it. If you're if you if you like it in gaming, you're gonna find it at Replay Florida. Awesome, and we really do. We from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us on the. Sit in a hot car for an hour just yeah. to talk to us, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> you got to do deal with the cards life gives you, right? Yeah, that man, we live by that that advice. Actually, we've got a saying on our podcast. We we've been known to make chicken salad out of chicken shit because sometimes you just got to make do with what you got. Yep, it's true. Chicken so we really shit salad sandwich, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we really appreciate you, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, dudes, how do people find us on the internet? I'll tell you how you can find us on the internet. You can find us at HH Podcast Show on the Twitter machine. Also, you can hit us up, hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. Don't forget, we've got a mailbag episode coming out soon, so please, please, please send us your questions and put it in the subject line uh, mailbag so you can send those to us. And when you're on your Twitter machine, there's not one, there's not two, but there's three hashtags you want to use. Hashtag Happy Hour Podcast, hashtag HH Podcast Show, and hashtag Deuces Deuces on on the the loose. Loose. Later. See ya.